Welcome to Living Water Radio. What are your earliest memories? Your most important and meaningful, your worst, your best. What role does memory have in making you who you are? And what is the role of memory in the Christian life? My name is Pastor David Burkadal. My wife, Reverend Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is a United Church of Christ slash Christian Church Disciples of Christ ordained minister, focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California and in San Dimas, California for over 40 years. Today, maintaining our yard is my gym, and I'm active as a volunteer in the leadership of more than 100 Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregations in our area. Between the two of us, we have over 80 years of ordained ministry experience. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, number zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. I was thinking the other day about all the numbers I need or want to remember, like my cell phone number, Sally's cell phone number, our son's cell phone number, our home phone known phone number, our alarm system code, my ATM pin number, my locker combination, my Marine Corps MOS, my zip code, and the zip codes of the places I've lived, served, or went to school. Passwords usually contain numbers. I need to remember my desktop, my laptop, and my notebook passwords just to access the over 100 other passwords I have stored in them because I can't remember them all. I remember the addresses of all the homes we lived in growing up in Wisconsin, and the addresses of the churches I served, and the homes we lived when I served there. My memory is still fairly good, although I find learning vocabulary words for other languages is not what it used to be. At my age, I think about what would happen if I started losing it. But there are benefits. Have you ever heard of the senility prayer? God grant me the senility to forget the people I never liked anyway, the good fortune to run into the ones I do, and the eyesight to tell the difference. I asked one of my doctors about Prevagen, or another memory supplement you see being advertised on the shows you watch and commercials that are designed for people like you. That's how you know you're watching in your own demographic. She said, exercising your mind is the best way to maintain mental capacity. If you are literate, you can read and write. Chances are that your memory is not as developed as someone who is illiterate. If you can't write down what you need from the grocery store, you have to remember it. I remember one of my seminary professors, who was an older man then, who remembered a choir of herders and farmers from the outer regions of Finland singing scripture from memory for six hours. They could do that because they were all illiterate. They couldn't read. But they had learned instead to depend upon their memories. What is your earliest memory? I think mine is waking up in the morning in our little house on 6th Street and running into my parents' bedroom to see the baby kicking in my mom's tummy. I was probably three at the time, or maybe four. Beyond that, I'm not sure if my memories are of actual events, or if I'm remembering stories someone told me about that time, or a photograph I remember seeing. Maybe you've seen the t-shirt that says, The older I get, the better I was. Memory is a funny thing. In Alex Trebek's last autobiography, he quoted Mark Twain as saying, At my age, the only things I remember never happened. 
was talking with one of my brothers a few months ago, and I shared one of my favorite stories about him. He said, that never happened. I think he's getting forgetful. Well, that's why we have historians, even though they often disagree. Even historians of contemporary events disagree. We are all polarized, and we tend not to see things as they are. We see things as we are. It's been said, I think it was Erwin Knoll, the journalist, that everything in the newspapers is true, except that of which you have firsthand knowledge. Have you ever watched a speech on TV and then heard the reporting of it and wondered if you heard the same one? I believe that it comes down to who you trust. Why do some people wind up just reading or seeing or listening to news sources that support what they already believe about the world? There's even a name for that, confirmation bias. It's easier. (sighs) I guess that even nostalgia isn't what it used to be. So how do we know what is true? One way is by remembering. Remembering in the Bible isn't about an individual recalling an event. It is the act of a community to enliven someone who is no longer living on the earth. It's closely connected to the idea of a name. If we were asked where the essence of a person is to be found, we might say it is their heart or their soul or their spirit. In the ancient world, however, it was their name. To say or do something in the name of God, for example, was not to use the word God as a magical formula to force God to do something. It meant to say or do something that was in the reality of God's presence within you, to do God's will. In the ancient world, remembering someone's name or reading it brings their essential reality to life. Speaking one's name carries with it the substance of someone dead or alive in some way that a whole community of people can be touched. That's why God doesn't have a proper name. To know God's name would be to know God's essence, and therefore to have control over God. And that's inconceivable. All we can know about God is what God reveals to us, and God reveals God's self to us in Jesus Christ. Remembering in the Bible means not just to recall, but to do something, as in Malachi 4.4. Remember the teaching of my servant Moses, the statutes and ordinances that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. When God remembers, God acts with regard to persons to show mercy or judgment, protection or affliction. As in Paul quoting Jeremiah in Hebrews 8.12, For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. On the night before he was betrayed to the authorities, Jesus celebrated a meal in which he recast the history of God's liberating power for his people in the acts of his crucifixion and death for the sins of humanity. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting at the 23rd verse, For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 
When Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, he is calling for an enlivening of God's action of self-revelation to the world, God's action in Jesus Christ, fully God and fully human being. As Jesus says in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Jesus did not command a memorial meal. Jesus invited us to enter into communion with the living presence of the living God here and now. Jesus commanded a meal that is, as A.G. Herbert described it, a bringing back out of the past into the present. Not of our sins, but of his sacrifice that took them away. A meal that brings the reality of Jesus, of him crucified and risen, victorious over death, through death to the reality of our present time. Jesus took his bread and wine and declared them to be his body and blood, inviting us to eat and drink our bread and our wine as an action that brings his sacrifice done once for all and unrepeatable into our living selves, our whole persons, in God's present living power. We accomplish none of this. It is God's action and the gift of God for you. All that is required of us is a believing heart. Today, I invite you to remember, to open your heart, your true self, to receive the presence of the one true living God in the eternal now. Some say that we never truly die as long as we exist in someone's memory. Christians say that we die in our baptisms and rise to new eternal life in Jesus Christ. That life is revealed to us, made manifest for us, in Holy Communion. If you haven't been baptized, seek it at your church or find one to receive the living reality of the one true living God that makes of us something that endures forever, a new creation in God's real living presence. And if you haven't had your first communion, seek that out to experience the real presence of God in the forms of bread and wine for you. When Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, he wasn't saying, remember me so that what I did won't be forgotten. He was saying, receive me. Receive the real presence of me in the forms of bread and wine. Receive the gift of life in the forgiveness of your sin so that you will know me now and forever. Beyond our varying natural abilities to memorize, we remember what is important to us at any age. I did a children's sermon once, maybe twice, that I stopped because I realized it might be embarrassing for the parents, which was not my intention. I sat down with the children who were usually between toddler and 12 or so, and I asked, where did Moses get the Ten Commandments? Nothing. Where did Jesus grow up? Nobody. Which disciple is best known for doubting? crickets. Who lives in a pineapple under the sea? SpongeBob SquarePants! Remembering in the biblical sense means repentance. It means a shift in what is important to us. It means turning away from the things that are killing us and turning toward the one true living God, of abiding in God's presence and being changed, of becoming a new creation, being born again, and of living from the inside out. To remember means to know the reality of God's living presence in the forms that God gives us by God's agency. 
In Holy Communion, we commune with the one true living God, and we know forgiveness, life, and salvation. We do so because in Holy Communion is God's gift of salvation in the living reality, in remembrance of Jesus Christ. To remember Jesus is to receive him. Therefore, proclaim his death, his death that brings life, and remember, receive him until he comes. Today, let's pray for those struggling with all forms of violence, with mental health issues, and with substance abuse. And let's pray the Lord's Prayer today, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at therevsdavidandsally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkadal, and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to the same addresses, and we'll include them next time. Send your comments there as well. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated. Open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self, the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune in to the worship services they have available and support your church financially so that it will be there when we come back to fully physically present worship together. Support your pastor and church leaders. Pray for them and help them in any way that you can. If you or a loved one are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody. Google a local or national hotline. Reach out. You are not alone. Wear a mask when you're outside your home, practice social distancing, wash or sanitize your hands regularly. Stay at home unless you are providing essential services or need them. Avoid crowds and be outside if you have to be in a crowd. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with, especially those who are sacrificing their security to provide for yours. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together during this global pandemic. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated.